Hello everyone, Bianca Bustamante is back with us this week to discuss her race weekend driving for the Academy team in W Series. We had such a great time talking with Bianca, and we've got an abridged version of that conversation for you on this episode. You can listen to the full, unedited version for free on our YouTube channel, Not That Good Media. After our talk with Bianca, stick around, because me and Arfat discuss the rest of the Spanish Grand Prix and our hopes for Mercedes. Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Slow Pit Stop. It's me, your host, Mohammed. I'm joined, as always, with Arafat by Arafat. Uh, Arafat is on the road this week, so he's actually joining us from his phone um, so he is going to be in and out a little bit, but he won't be able to, uh, be there the entire time, but that's okay. Cause uh, I like the sound of my voice better. And also we have with us Bianca Bustamante. You might remember her from last week. We were talking about her. She was with us talking about Miami. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Bianca, uh, is a, was a karting driver. So last year she joined us to talk about her karting career and then life kind of took a turn. And now she is a, uh, W Series Academy driver. She has a two-year contract with them. She raced in Miami. She raced in Spain. And since this is our Spain episode, we are so delighted to have her on to talk about uh, how her weekend went. How are you doing, Bianca? Thank you guys for having me, as always. Um, my weekend went pretty great. Uh, I think we put up a great show, and we improved every session. And as always, learning and learning. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> Bianca, we had so many people reach out to us after our last episode and say that they had no idea who you are, but now they're your biggest fan and they're going to be watching you and following you every race. So for people who are listening and you want to follow Bianca, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at darkhorse underscore Bia, B-I-A, or at racer Bia, racer B-I-A on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Bianca, so you've come from Miami where you, it was your first ever race and you finished in the points. And now you were uh, you're in Spain. How how was that transition like? Uh, it was, to be honest, really really tough because you were given such a short amount of time to once again progress and improve throughout the season. You know, we I only had two weeks or about ten days before I was bound to fly again to Spain, coming from Miami, and so then it's it's such a really compact time and we had to sort of um, make a transition from Miami from a street race to a circuit, a track circuit. And we had to do our debrief. We had to do some data. And I was fortunate enough that I was invited for the preseason test. So I've had a few laps around Barcelona. And and so it wasn't such a hard time compared to Miami. But although it is a very difficult technical track um it's filled with lots of medium to high speed corners you know the last sector is one of the difficult parts of it the chicane and and so just a lot of information and knowledge that we were trying to understand prior to it and and then you know we we I, we flew there wednesday and we got in we settled in and thursday we were doing track walk and as always, it's amazing. I think track walk's one of the funnest part of of the whole of the whole journey because you're there with like everyone else. You know, we we were doing the support race alongside F3 and F2, so we were there with people I look up to. You know, people that I 
I, I gained um, inspiration from and it was really great seeing how professional they are and seeing how professional the environment was and it was really great learning from them. Bianca, I just wanted to ask, you spend such a short amount of time at different venues. Do you get a chance to see anything outside the circuit or visit anywhere or is it all just work? Unfortunately, that's the life of a racing driver. We, we don't get to enjoy the country, you know, outside from racetrack, you know, we, I arrived there Wednesday, immediately I went to the hotel, unpacked, and then we went, you know, and we of course had dinner and stuff. And then the following day, we left 7am, went to the track, did everything else, you know, did some media, we got back home 6pm. And that's just, you know, a whole day of being at the track that you kind of forget that you're in Spain, in one of like the best countries in the world with all of its like famous architectures. And you, you you know you don't get to to take it in because you're just like in this in this space of the track and you're just at the pits, but of course it's such a fun you know moment for me. Uh, I love I love the facilities at um at Spain. You know like in the W series we got to see our um drivers room because um, W series has their sort of um, accommodation and it's different for every venue. It was great to see our drivers room. It was really amazing and. And and yeah, and the car, of course, we were um, we were driving a different car compared to Miami. Um, instead of the Alfa Romeo car, we were using the Toyota. Uh, so that's of course really fun for me to learn. You know, it was it was different, even though it is classified as the same Formula Regional car. The clutch was different. The shifting was a lot better, and the driving um, the driving um, technique that required it was also different. So just lots of learning. So yeah, I totally forgot that I was in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching the Schumacher documentary. And you know, it talks about in the past, drivers could do testing all the time, every day, testing, testing, testing. Whereas now someone said for a driver, it's like being a musician, but the only time you can practice is the middle of the concert. There's no other time to practice. So when you're learning these new cars and things, is there anything that you're focusing on? That's the thing, you know, um, compared to other drivers, of course, we're, we, I'm not fortunate enough to have the luxury of testing every day. I mean, it is possible if you have the funding and the budget for it, it as it is very expensive. But of course, I do not. So the only time I ever really get to drive the, drive the car and experience it is... Uh, during race weekends and I only get 30 minutes of practice before I set on for qualifying, which is really tough as a rookie. You know, I think it's really not enough, especially driving a new car. I don't, I do not have enough experience to be able to adapt in a snap or in, or in 30 minutes. So the main focus for us, even though we knew that it was going to be difficult, was just trying to adapt and find the, just the right amount of aggressiveness or or smoothness and you know different cars different characteristics and and I I think uh it took me some time to to um get used to the car to the car that we were using for here compared to Miami where it was easier for me to get to get up speed just because I've you know it was the first car I drove in the Barcelona pieces and test so it wasn't as um monday i mean it wasn't as difficult for me but then when we got to barcelona it was a new car and 
and and yeah during practice i was i didn't really show enough pace i wasn't quick at all i was i think a second off from the top rookie which of course was a very difficult for us you know and really gutted i uh, came into race one qualified p17 i had a an amazing start it was crazy uh i i don't know why but i think starts for me is just one of really my strongest my strongest um aspect that's why i had i pulled off in the start past three drivers to the other corner past two more drivers in one corner so yeah that was definitely fun but then we were you know we were mid-pack our pace was i was i was able to maintain my pace until I couldn't because of tire management. I, I definitely pushed a bit too much on the first few first eight laps. And then my problem was is that I pushed so much early on, to, like early on the race that towards mid to end, I just had nothing else to give. I had nothing left, you know, my tire, my, my, my wheel was pushing forward. And whenever I would turn, try to carry as much speed, it was just, you know, it wouldn't turn. And I, I experienced that for the first time because coming from Miami, I, we really didn't because as a street race, we weren't pushing as much to try and keep it safe. You know, we were driving very, we were under driving a lot. But then you come into a racetrack like Barcelona where there's, you know, where it's, a, it's a big track. It's, it's very wide. So you get to push it and everything. And, and yeah, I, I just made a mistake push too much and then by the end my tires are gone yeah and much stronger but you know bianca um i i feel like you maybe are underselling yourself i think it's it's harder to learn racecraft than it is to learn tire management and right now you've got incredible racecraft because you're you're able to you know pick your breaking point you're able to turn and and make these overtakes but you're just having you're still learning the tire management and i think you know personally if i were a driver i would rather have the racecraft skill than and and learn the tire management later because you're making these positions up you know as soon as you learn how to manage your tires you'll be keeping these positions and hopefully you know gaining more and i would prefer that than being last place but your tires last the whole time you know what i mean so i i think you maybe are underselling yourself you know to see you go from you know p17 up to p13 in the blink of an eye that is what we want to see when we're watching racing drivers that shows us that you have speed so I, i wouldn't undersell yourself too much uh you you did finish in the points in your first ever race so so keep that in mind. Yeah, I agree with Muhammad that you're underselling yourself, but I'm also very worried about you taking advice from him. So <laughs> nod, and then you just keep doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> no, he gives great advice. That's definitely what a lot of people have been telling me. But as a racing driver, you're really, really hard on yourself. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been in a, in a cart once in my life. And I didn't listen to blue flags and I held up the race leader. So I don't know what I'm talking about. So if your engineers tell you what to do and it's different than me, definitely listen to them. But the other thing I was going to ask you is, you know, in Miami, you guys were the first support series on. There's no grip. But this time you had uh, Formula 3 before you. Did that make it easier maybe on the track that you had a whole other uh, team, uh, a whole other race before you guys that, you know, set some grip down first? Um, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, cause like during Miami, we were the first ones to drive 
on the track. <laughs> so like we had like zero like clue or data what to even do or is the braking. You know, we 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 really we literally start from scratch and uh, and that was a good thing about Barcelona was that you know we before we went out we get to watch Formula Three drive around or we get to see oh oh yeah they're breaking that much later now I guess there's a lot of grip and you kind of have an idea already of what you're about to experience so that's always a great thing you know learning from your upper from your upperclassmen and you know they're very experienced and it was my first time watching Formula Two in person which was amazing like. That's really crazy. It was a great race. You know, the Ruvalai was very strong and very competitive. Lots of great drivers. And I understand now how it feels like to be an F1 manager. Like, like looking at the pool of F2 drivers now, I wouldn't know which one to get. Like, I wouldn't know which one to get and put into F1. There's, like, too many good. Like, there's, there's too many of them. You know, they're all very talented. They're all very complete package. And they're all winning, like, it's just so tight and but 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 yeah it's it's great watching them yeah uh it is it, it is nice to, to to see the other support series um you know on the track so i didn't get to watch the formula three race i did watch the formula one race and i've been watching spain for a few years but it's usually a track that's very difficult to overtake on and uh i wanted to ask you if that was your experience with the track did you find it a little bit processional like you really can't overtake you keep your same position um or or was it a bit like miami where there were some ex- unexpected overtaking spots uh that really were in can't. There? you really can't um unless someone you know really makes some mistakes and run off wide like i did <laughs> like i did but but there's really not you know compared to f3 f2 we don't we do not have drs so that makes it 10 times harder to even pass because we don't we don't have that and that's the mentality I had coming into the race. That you know, that was why um, that, that that was why I was just so aggressive on the start because I knew that if I didn't make the pass now, I won't. I would. I would never have the opportunity to make it again. So you know, the first lap is really very critical to making big moves or or gaining lots of places because everyone's so tight. You know, the tires. Um, aren't warmed up yet the temperature is not there the setup is not really that um relevant yet so it's all just pure driving you know it's it's just pushing pushing and stuff and and so that's why i i did my best to make up as many positions as i can knowing that it is impossible to make a pass in barcelona so it's it's high speed the slow this like the slow sector is too tight to make a pass you know, like if you're coming to sector three and you and you haven't and you're not like in a position to pass, you'll never be able to to pass at all. So that was really tough. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, I think we did see some of that in the Formula One race. You basically only you could only pass with DRS. So um, I, I definitely understand the frustration there. But uh, we're going to Monaco in a week. You won't be racing there, but I guess you'll be watching from home. Uh, and you are a strong Tifosi, as you've mentioned on our show before. What are your hopes for the Formula One race in Monaco next week? Yeah, I'm just heartbroken that we don't oh, get to race. I imagine. I mean, imagine <laughs> there in Monaco. Like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I, I am glad that 
um, the support races uh, are are coming there. One um, which is a Freca Formula Regional by by, by mm-hmm. Alpine. They will be racing in Monaco. So mm-hmm. I am very very jealous of them that they get to be there. <laughs> but but yeah, I'm very looking. I'm looking forward to it. And once again, we're at another track where it's impossible to pass. You know, and yeah. so that's why qualifying is really really important. You know. Coming into tracks like Barcelona, Miami, or Monaco, qualifying is the the key. You know, if you're not within top five, it's it's you never you, you'll never win. <laughs> that's just that's yeah. just it. It's yeah. impossible to win a race coming qualifying from P five or from P six, and and that myself I'm trying to learn as well because I often do really bad on qualifying and then try to make places in the start but there's just some tracks that isn't really possible of, of there's no really possibility of doing that you know I would wish that I would yeah. be able to qualify mid-pack and then make my way up maybe in the top five and and yeah I'm really looking forward to Monaco you know it's an amazing track it's very technical and yeah. as you know Charles has a bit of um, a curse <laughs> Is that, is that circuit? So, sorry, Pat, I just know it's about to come. You, you know, Arfa and I, Arfa and I are Tifosi this year because Mercedes is struggling. And yes. like Arfa said, we're definitely feeling the pain of being a Tifosi because when Charles' engine failed, I was like pulling my hair out and yeah. I want him to finish this race in Monaco yes. so badly so badly i want him to finish i want him to that's break the why, curse and and make it that that's why i was so sad when because i was flying from from i, I flew sunday because we don't race sunday mm-hmm. so i didn't get to watch the race i didn't get to watch the race oh, and the minute that i landed in philadelphia from my connecting um connecting flight i oh. i the first thing that popped up was my twitter and, it, and and Ferrari made an update that Charles is not able to race because of his engine failure. In my head, I was just like, we needed we needed to win this. We needed to win this just so we can maybe save the championship by Monaco. Because I was already expecting that he won't finish Monaco again. Like I'm just like I'm already expecting it. And yeah. but, but yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too historical, but last year uh, when Mercedes and Red Bull were fighting for the championship, Lewis, it, it was at Monaco that Lewis started losing momentum and Max took the momentum. So I'm really hoping it's not a repeat of that this year. But uh, for all of our listeners, um, if you do, if you are excited for Monaco the way we are kind of an- anxious about Monaco and you love the shape of the track, we have our ongoing promotion with Little Prince 3D on Etsy. Uh, they make 3D printed tracks. Uh, you can get yours uh, fr- of Monaco or of any other track. Uh, use code SLOWPITSTOP to get 10% off your next order. And uh, later in the episode, we'll also be talking about who gets our free giveaway of the track we got from Spain. So if you would like the iconic Monaco track, the one that's on the trophy, if you'd like that on your wall, definitely go look at Little Prince 3D on Etsy. Use code SLOWPITSTOP to get 10% off that order. Um, Bianca, you are also sponsored. And, And last week, I didn't know how to like sell <laughs> your sponsorship. I was like, what is Dark Horse? What is an NFT? I just had no idea what was going on. You know, is it like, do you need crypto? Can you use American dollars? Why don't you tell us a little bit about this partnership you have with Dark Horse? Well, um, uh, 
so as as everyone well not everyone knows but I have recently launched my NFT access pass um, so NFT is a non-fungible token and it's just this whole crazy new world of of NFT and bit and cryptocurrency and blockchain which is super super amazing and even I am really hooked onto it and so I've released my own NFT the dark horse project and it's basically an access pass that if you buy my own NFT you get to have exclusive contents and behind the scenes of the work that I put into to get into racing, you know, um, and it's amazing because it, it definitely feels like a community uh, that that you're just you're buying yourself into a community where people support one another. And it was amazing the support amount of support that I've reached. And I've been growing my Discord channel. We've reached about I think seven hundred to eight hundred um to um eight hundred um people on my Discord channel. And we've only recently started it and it's already amazing the amount of support they've given me from Miami to Barcelona. You know, after my race, we would host, we would host watch parties and I've, re- I've, I've received um, lots of messages saying that it was very hard for them to watch the stream and stuff like that because it wasn't available to their country. And, and so we've made it very accessible um, via my disc, uh, via discord channel, my channel. And we, we host, um, we host, um, watch parties um, for all of my races, which is amazing. You know, I finished my race, got I got my phone, and immediately I was bombarded with lots of messages. You know, they said to keep on pushing, and you're doing great and stuff like that. It's just so heart melting and heartwarming coming to that after a long tough weekend, and and yeah, and it's fun. You know, I've I've become really really close to some of um some of um the people that were in the community and. They're amazing. They they truly believe in what I do, and I, I I love that I get to have them alongside me in this crazy journey. And it doesn't it definitely doesn't make you know? It, I think for me, I've always felt like I was alone at it. You know, driving a single seater, you're you're by yourself. You know, on track and stuff like that. But then off track, I get to have this amazing group of of people and that I can talk to, that I can rant to or or just be there and ask advice and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, um you uh thank you so much for for joining us this week. That's all the time that, you know, we really have, but I'm really really grateful and we'll be trying to get you on after each of your races depending on if you have time or not. So that'd be really nice to hear your progression through the season and how you get better and better and better. Um but we are very excited. Thank you so much for joining us, Bianca. Thank you, guys. So we just got the chance to listen to Bianca talk about her weekend in Spain. I I always like talking to her, Arfad. I feel like she's so down to earth. I know we were saying this last time, but uh, it, it feels like we've got like a friend who is going and doing these races and we get to talk to them about all the behind the scenes, like technical yeah. stuff that we never get to find out about. No, she's very, very real. And, um, you know, that's the stuff, the access that we're getting now. If people want to join her Dark Horse NFT, imagine all the behind the scenes stuff that you're going to get. And she's on this amazing journey where she's learning. You know, she like you said, she's got the racecraft and now she's learning all the stuff about what it takes to be a professional racing driver. And uh, just to see all of that and hear about it is really cool. Yeah. And um, like, I want to join her Discord if I knew what a discord is i join it so i could what is wrong with watch. you even i have discord <laughs> i'm part of the formula one tech discord 
the 44 Discord. Um, I, I, this... I know what Discord is as a concept. I've been on Discord. I, I have it on my phone. I don't understand how to use it. There's all these channels and everyone's talking about different things. And some channels are just like, you know, statements. You can't talk in them. And some of them are people talking out loud and some of them are people chatting. It's all very discombobulating for me, a 55-year-old man stuck in the body of a 25-year-old, 26-year-old. So, yeah. I was going to say, are you still 25? <laughs> getting, on to, <laughs> getting on to the rest of the weekend and specifically the Formula One weekend. So, insane thing, I woke up and my Twitter was all talking about Green Red Bull. Arfred, you want to tell us what happened with the green Red Bull? Yeah, so Aston Martin appeared at the track with their upgrades. Lots of people are bringing upgrades to Spain. It's very common um, to bring upgrades here because pre-season testing happened here, so you can compare to old data. It's an, it's an important reference point for the team. So Aston Martin appeared with a car that looked very, very, very similar to the Red Bull. And lots of people said they basically just copied it. Uh, to the point where Red Bull put in an official complaint to the FIA to say, hey, they've stolen our intellectual property here. Huh. The FIA looked into it and said, no, nah, actually, they just, they've come up with similar stuff. So they've gone from having the pink Mercedes to the green Red Bull. Um, and as we discussed in our two-minute take, Red Bull felt so upset by this that they gave out the lime version of their drink to all their staff. So everybody was yeah. sat with a green can of Red Bull. And I love that. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is very similar. And it's so funny that it's the same team that came out with the pink Mercedes just, uh, what, two years ago, 2020. They came out with the pink Mercedes. And Otmar Snafzauer has now moved to Alpine. And I'm so curious to hear what he's going to say about it. Like, is he going to get, like, all upset and be like, how can they steal, t- <laughs> like, the design? Or is he going to stay silent? I- I- it's 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 so funny to me. But what's even funnier is that they came out with this. There's all this controversy. And they're both out in Q1. Like, <laughs> there's no pace coming out. Somebody online was like, I guess you have to copy the inside of the Red Bull, too. Can't just copy <laughs> the outside. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's so the teams are so secretive about the development processes. We don't know what's actually going on. There's rumors that you know Lawrence Stroll is very, very strict, and maybe under pressure, people are just panic developing. And then there's other rumors of people saying, oh, actually, he's a great boss. He's really supportive. He's putting all these tools and systems. So it's all just hearsay from our point of view, and we have no idea what's going on. So all we can do is enjoy the trolling that Red Bull yeah. was throwing towards Aston Martin. That's true. Do you do you think there's any truth to the rumor that the Aston Martin engineers stole the data, or the Red Bull engineers stole the data when they moved to Aston Martin? No, I think it's what Christian Horner said. You can't stop people knowing what's already inside their head. But um, wasn't Spy Spygate happen right with McLaren and uh, Ferrari? Like Spygate was a yeah, thing. but that was stuff being photocopied and sent to. Uh, McLaren yeah that's different that's not a Ferrari employee leaving and like what's happened now is a Red Bull employee has left and moved to Aston Martin and they've got all this stuff in their head they said hey we were working on this thing hey we were doing that yeah like you can't stop that but what happened in Spygate was actual physical documents were being exchanged yeah but I wonder if scandal like that happened before if it's possible 
again, you know? Probably. Yeah. Oh my Speaking god, we of... should like offer our yeah. services as mercenaries to steal information from people. Uh, we, we I get caught. To, like, I would interview. get immediately caught. They tell by my accent that no, I don't belong. You, you know in Ocean's Eleven? You know yeah. in Ocean's Eleven there's like the con and the real con? Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. getting caught would be part of it. It's a big distraction. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've got like a USB stick that I'm just casually downloading things. And then we'll put that all on Discord because we both know what that is. Yes. Well, what are we calling this? It's not Ocean's Eleven. Do we call it the Slow Pit Stop 2? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but speaking of scandal, we were scandalized a little bit because Formula One tries new things all the time. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And this week they tried the live drone footage. The first time it was on the screen, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh my god, is that helicopter crashing? What is going Why is it like that? And then I saw it said live drone. <laughs> and every time it came on the screen, I was like, oh my god, I'm so nauseous. Get this off the screen. What did you, how did you think? You put, you had a funny thing you said in, in your two minute take about, what, what did you say? the live drone yeah i said it, it looked like a nokia 7250 strapped to a pigeon i think my problem yeah. with it was whoever was flying the drone cam was told you're not allowed to go above the circuit so they just stayed in this one corner oh. flying along the grass and then the actual quality of the camera was like 480p or something um <laughs> so it just didn't work the whole like you look at test footage where they use drones and formula one cars like i remember alpha tire released a video and things like that yeah they get right up close to the cars and that's the advantage of a drone and i can understand yeah. teams being like we don't want anything hitting us while we're driving um, yeah because if you crash into us and our race is over we're gonna sue every last one of you so yeah yeah that's that's i can see why like, they maybe wouldn't want the drone there but I think the whole point of it is to get really, really close, and it just lacked that. It just looked, like you said, like the helicopter, but like something was going wrong. So we didn't like it, but we talked to some of our followers on Twitter, and we asked them to reply and see what their thoughts were. And in the future, we'll be doing this from every race going forward. We'll post something on Twitter, and me and Arfat are going to endeavor to read every single reply to the tweet. Uh, and and try and get everyone who replied on the on the show. So if you want to be if you want to be mentioned on the show, you know, keep an eye out for the tweet after the race that talks about something, and then send your reply. So we talked about the drones, and we had a, a number of people responded. I'm going to go through and read the responses, and Arfa and I can discuss them. At Anna Tarkov, friend of the podcast, she runs her own podcast, uh, the Racing Incident. She said, "People are so pressed about the drone." But as I understand, it's more environmentally friendly than the helicopter. I didn't like it either, but maybe they can improve it still. At yeah, 100%. At St. Man's Caffeine Recommend, he said, I kind of think this is a bad take. Ooh, he's coming at us. Yeah, the drone wasn't a good one, but at least they tried it so we don't have to wonder what it would be like. Video games have test servers for that this sort of thing, but you don't have that for F1, so why not try it for a race? Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this before. We said, wouldn't it be great to have a drone that gave like even more up-close footage and they're doing things like the, the eye cam in the drivers. Yeah, I think if you wanted to test it, you could still have the drone there and then watch the footage yourself and go, oh yeah, we need to fix this so, before we put it out to the public. I guess that's true, but can't they try it on like a qualifying first and then see if it's any good there and then decide to do it for the race? Well, I think they should try it on a whole race, but then not release the footage publicly. Like, let the directors, the professionals okay, all enough. look through it and yeah. think about, okay, we're going to improve this by doing ABC. 
Yeah, and, and so you mentioned the ICAM and uh, at Siddharth underscore Kara, he said something similar. He said the ICAM also needs significant improvement if it has be- to become a regular feature for F1. And I agree. I think if they can stabilize the the ICAM in real time, so it's not so like yeah. you know shaken all the way. <laughs> I think that would make it really really cool. Um, at Miguel or Miguel at Miguel. P, I think M I G U I B P. He said the drone camera was awful. Never again, please. Uh, very informative right there. Joshua Gake at Gakey G E A K E said Liberty is all about trying new things rather than arguing endlessly. <laughs> Never doing anything to. I like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> Liberty is all about trying new things rather than arguing endlessly and never doing anything differently. It was pants. <laughs> But I you know, it. he's talking about Liberty Media, the owners of Formula One. Yeah. But it sounds like it's some sort of speech from, you know, one of these presidents and like Independence <laughs> Day or something. It's like, Liberty <laughs> is all about trying new things rather than arguing endlessly and never doing anything differently. I like this guy. That's Josh what it sounds like to me. I like that he called yeah. it pants. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like p- pants can be a good thing. I've had really nice pairs of pants, but he said it no, was pants. No, no, I, I think I think Joshua must come from the UK because here, like oh. that was pants means it's terrible. Oh, I've never heard because that we in mean my life. Underpants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I genuinely didn't know that. Even though I we I feel like we talked about it in our group chat before that pants means underpants. Yeah. But I've had really comfortable pairs of underpants. So again, I don't know why this is a, an insult, but. Thank you, Joshua. I like the cut of your jib. At JBoyFixie23 said, it gave us nothing but motion sickness. Very bad idea. I definitely agree. I couldn't wait for it to get off the screen because I was getting nauseous, and I feel the same way with the helmet cam. Uh, do you get any motion sickness watching that, Erfan? No, I was just confused because, like you said, I, I kept feeling like it was falling. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what's going on? And then it, it pulled away or it said live drone. I was like, oh, okay, this is, what, this is what's happening. I literally thought that, that the like helicopter was crashing to the ground or something. <laughs> I was like, what is the happening? The director decided to cut to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, at Pranusha Ready 93 the winner of our first ever giveaway, she said, live drone, yes, that has to go ASAP, crying emoji. Uh, and then at Pusher of Pedals, Miles, he said, it's F1 trying to make the race look more exciting. The latest tech doesn't always work. The regs around flying drones mean they don't make a lot of sense around live sporting events. And I think you were saying that too, that um, it, it's difficult to have things flying above the car. Because what if it runs out of battery and crashes into the Ferrari? You know, that's that's yeah. crazy. You know, literally insane. Exactly. And and we've had times when the helicopter flies above and their like wind messes up the arrow and the drivers get on the radio mm. and they're like, get the helicopter out of here. So I definitely understand where that's coming from. Thank you to everyone who responded to our tweet with from some very amusing takes. Uh, again, keep your eye out after every race. We'll have one of these and we'll try to read your things off. Uh, but moving on. So speaking of things crashing into Ferrari. Yeah. Ferrari managed to crash into themselves. <laughs> yeah, ah, this was so painful. It is so painful to be a Ferrari fan watching Carlos spin out, you know, from a tailwind, and then Charles lose power. Yeah, the Charles bit was heartbreaking. Yeah, I know. I, I usually get so happy when somebody that's not a Mercedes driver says, you know, losing power. I'm like, yes! But today I was like, oh my god, that sucks. Um... But, you know, speaking of, of Mercedes and um, the Mercedes drivers, 
Mercedes unveiled a massive new upgrade package, much bigger than the one in Miami, and, and key with it was a new floor. And the floor seemed to have solved the porpoising. I think they have made a positive step. I think they're now where they should have been at the beginning of the season. So I think development-wise, they're six races behind everyone else. I think it's probably too late for the championship. But if they pulled it off, it would be an incredible sporting story. I think the championship is still going to be Verstappen versus Leclerc. And before this race, not even before this race, in the first part of this race, until Leclerc went kaput, I would have said he is the favorite for the championship. But now, I think I'm 90% sure it'll be Verstappen. Who has it worse in terms of reliability, Ferrari or Red Bull? Red Bull has worse reliability. That Red Bull will not finish a couple of races before the end of this year. That Ferrari will have the potential to finish the races, but they will Ferrari themselves. Like they released a statement today saying, we've investigated, it was to do with the turbo and I can't remember if it was MGUH or MGUK, one of the components of the engine. And they said it wasn't a reliability issue and it wasn't a development or design issue, so we're satisfied with it. What was that? If it wasn't reliability, <laughs> and it was well, I think it might have been the act of Ferrari engineer forgetting to put some screws in or something. Um, oh. So the part itself didn't fail, but the people have failed the part, or they've put oh. the wrong software in. They've like uploaded season four of Stranger Things instead of the actual <laughs> engine map that they were supposed to upload. Oh so, my god! Like. Even if you hand Ferrari a knife, they will find a way of shooting themselves in the foot with a knife. Here's what, and I was talking to Adam, our Canadian Red Bull guest. I was talking to him about it, and I think that Mercedes has a chance because of the weaknesses of the other two teams. So I think Red Bull will have some issues with their... You know, they were saying before this race, oh, it's just DRS, it's not a big deal. But that DRS held up Max for half the race, you know. So it's going to... These things are going to add up. And I think Ferrari not being able to develop across an entire season will give Mercedes a chance to potentially, I think, win the constructors and for Lewis to come at, at least ahead of George. But it will require both teams to have DNFs and both teams to make mistakes and for Mercedes to be as consistent from now on as they were in the last, like, third of last year, if you know what I'm talking about. So everything has to go right for Mercedes and things need to keep consistently going wrong for Ferrari and Red Bull. And if that happens, I think Mercedes can really capitalize. Uh, what, what do you think about that? I think it's possible. I, I see no reason why that couldn't happen, but it's a lot to ask for and I think if you are a Mercedes fan or a Lewis Hamilton fan thinking down those lines is only going to set yourself up for disappointment oh, just yeah. take things one race at a time enjoy enjoy what's happening, enjoy the progress uh, and if good results come, amazing but I think hoping for things by the end of the season at this stage already is already setting yourself up for disappointment remember when we were talking about one of the stresses of last year was if you support Lewis or Max, every race had to be a win. Yeah. So if you go into it saying every race is so important for the championship, you're going to be stressed out and you're not going to enjoy it. So just enjoy what happens with each race. Like I said, yeah. all I want to see is Lewis win one race and then we'll take it from there. I predicted yeah. at the beginning of this year after Australia that Lewis would win Monaco. 
maybe I'll be right, maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see what happens. Well, I think even if you don't think about this year, like I've written off this year, I I stand by my principles. This year is over for me. I think the fact that they have solved the porpoising means, at least for next year, will be significantly ahead. But speaking of Mercedes, it's very clear this week to me that Lewis and George make a great team. And Lewis Hamilton, from P19 going up to P4, you know, let's talk about the incident that kind of started that. I was just really upset and angry at the time. I don't understand what, why that happened. I know they said it was a racing incident and, you know, people that know a lot more about racing than us called it a racing incident. I don't know. You can go back and watch these things on replay, see who was steering where and all that. I've not been able to watch it on the replay because I'm so annoyed. And I feel yeah. like being a Lewis Hamilton fan, I'm obviously biased. I'm going to be annoyed at Kevin Magnussen. Yeah. Um, we put a poll out on Twitter, didn't we? We put a poll out um, and we asked our followers what they thought. 41.8% said that, no, this was a clear racing incident. Uh, Kevin Magnussen should not receive a penalty, which he didn't. But 58.2% of our followers said, oh, he absolutely should have received the penalty. He needs new glasses. For me, you know, like I said, I've written off this race, uh, this season. And for the race, I just wanted him to finish ahead of his starting position and ideally ahead of George. That was my only hope. So knowing the potential that he could have challenged for P2, he could have challenged for the win, that doesn't matter to me because my expectation was finish higher than P6. So the fact that he came from P19 up to P4, it would have been P4 except for a small maybe underfueling or maybe like a, a leak. You know, if it wasn't for that, the fact that he got up there for me, that's all I wanted out of the race. So I wasn't as frustrated i was more angry that for uh, mercedes didn't put lewis on the hard tire to begin with but i don't understand you know the tire compounds and the track heat as well as i should yeah i think nobody went onto the hard tire did they because it was just too too hard to well, I think get K-Mag temperature into it had no grip yeah but did he K- yeah, and then Is that he got why he was so far back? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I, I just thought that it was like, I was like, it didn't make sense to me that you would go onto the soft when everybody's on the soft in your last place and you want to outlast him. But he still somehow managed to outlast him, maybe using like tire preservation, mm. tire management. So, I think in my mind, the, the logic there is there's been a collision, an issue on track. It's the beginning of the race. Everyone's very close together. It's a high risk time for a safety car. And if yeah. a safety car happens... You want to be on the soft yeah. to try and compete and get ahead of other people. Um, whereas if you're in the mediums and everyone else has that slight advantage over you, if the safety car happens, you're not. You're just going to be stuck in last place anyway. Moving on, we had two other sort of driver pairings we got to look at. One, the the whole Max Verstappen Sergio Perez dynamic. You know, it's the um, title of the episode. That's very unfair. That's very unfair, but okay. It's so passive aggressive. I just love it. He could have just come out and said like, "No, like yeah. that's very unfair." But okay, I thought that was so funny. I think it's tough for Checo. He's negotiating for his future. You know, he needs to do what the team want him to do. Yeah. Um, I think. If they just left them, Max had the pace to get past him anyway. So I don't know why they had to bring team orders into it. At least they could have, I don't know, maybe fought for a couple of corners. And at least then Checo would have had a sense of fairness, being like, okay, Max was faster, but 
I gave it my best. Whereas this just felt unfair. And I think to happen so early in the season makes it feel really unfair for Checo. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. And I talked to Adam, who, you know, a Red Bull fan, and he's becoming like a ghost on this podcast. I keep bringing him up. But I asked him at, from the Red Bull perspective, what do you think? And he said, I think it's fair because Max had so much extra pace. But I sort of agree with you that if he had extra pace, let them fight it out on track. Because we've seen before, Max didn't have DRS, you know. he could Maybe he wouldn't be able to pass Perez. Uh, yeah, so- I, I mean, I, I understand it. As a business decision... If your cars are a bit fragile, the DRS isn't opening, you're not sure if you can get to the end of the race, do you really want them spending energy fighting each other? Probably not. I, I understand it on a business, like organizational level, but as fans watching TV, it's not what we want to see. And it's it's always going to be one of the great paradoxes of F1, this whole hmm. teammate versus individual thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um I was going to talk about Latifi and Albon, but we already talked about that on our two-minute take. So if you haven't watched our two-minute take on the Spanish Grand Prix, go to YouTube. Uh, Not That Good Media, our parent company, it's over there. You can watch it. It's hilarious. And you can hear what we had to say about uh, Latifi finishing ahead of Alex Albon. We have our F1 Fantasy winner uh, for this week. So the winner this week, the winner of our custom 3D printed Spain track is... Team One. <laughs> he hasn't changed his name. Team One. Uh, and the person is Mansi V from India. So Mansi V from India, named T- Team One. Um, you had an incredible weekend. Good for you. If you listen to us, uh, DM us on Twitter or on Instagram. Um, and uh, we will make sure to ship out our Spanish Grand Prix track. And if you want to buy your own track, because these things are so cool. I have Silverstone up in my wall. I look at it every day. It's awesome. Uh, go to Little Prince 3 d on Etsy and use code SLOWPITSTOP to get 10% off your next order. I'm just going to go over his team real quick. He had as a constructor Red Bull, definitely the way to go. He had Perez as his turbo driver, uh, Albon, uh, Bottas, I think those are two pretty good. Well, Albon finished at the back. Bottas was good. Norris, who had a pretty good drive, P11 to P8 while battling tonsillitis. Uh, Leclerc, which is a huge mistake, uh, five points on that. And then um, and, and the team was Red Bull. So uh, number one team on fa- our Fantasy League, uh, if you'd like to join, we're called Slow Pit Stop uh, F1 Fantasy. Every week we give out a custom-made track. So uh, thanks to our sponsors at Little Prince 3D for that. Um I kept forgetting to update my track, so I didn't. But I've updated my my team, not my track, sorry, my team for Monaco. And I've gone with a slightly high-risk strategy that will probably come and bite me in the backside later. I've put Leclerc in uh, my five. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that is very... (laughs) Very, very high-risk. I feel like someone has done black magic on him, and that's why he can't finish the race. I feel bad. Because he couldn't finish the historic race either, and that is not for points. That is for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Poor guy. Yeah. Before we uh, finish the episode, Arfat, what are your predictions for Monaco? My predictions for Monaco? I've been saying this all year, so I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton won. George Russell two and Carlos Sainz three. Huh. I, I I can only wish. I think Lewis Hamilton one. Mm-hmm. I think Verstappen two, and I think Carlos Sainz three. 
I don't think Leclerc will finish the race, but I hope he does. Oh my god, <laughs> imagine it was Hambot fair. <laughs> I really it's it's possible this this uh at least to get Ver Hambot or ha- Ham Ver Bot, like something like that. Yeah. And I really, really, really want it to happen. Just for the memes. It's yeah, it'd be, be really incredible. nice for the three of them to be on one more podium. <sighs> I know. I, I think a Botas podium may come this year. They have the, the speed that if yeah. enough people kind of mess up and he's in the right place at the right time, he can capitalize. He's done that before, even in Mercedes. So I think there's potential there. Uh, Arfa, do you have any top moments from the weekend? Mm, my top moment was when Fernando Alonso came out and called the steward incompetent. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. <laughs> I love that he's at a point now where he's been at that point for ages, but he can just say what he wants. And then it was like Landon Norris was like, oh, you know, Alonso kind of knows what he's talking about a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on note of like people just saying things, my top moment of the weekend <laughs> was George Russell's engineer coming on and saying Perez is doing a one-stop, which was an absolute lie. Red Bull was never going to put Perez on a one-stop when everybody else is doing three, but they made it look like it for whatever reason. So he's like, Perez is doing a one-stop. And George gets on the radio and goes... Blimey! <laughs> That's all he said. It's the most British thing. <laughs> he just pressed the button just to go blimey. Real Ron Weasley of him and then went back off. <laughs> uh, oh, George. So, uh, thank you everyone for joining us this week. We will be back next week with our review of Monaco. Hopefully, Arfa and I won't be in tears. We'll be really happy. I don't know. Let's see. But until then, from both of us, uh, thank you so much, and uh, see you guys next week. Bye-bye. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.